This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3612 for Tuesday, the 7th of June, 2022. Today's show is entitled, Who's Evil Steve? Part 2. It is part of the series Privacy and Security. It is hosted by Lurking Pryan and is about 16 minutes long. It carries an explicit flag. The summary is, we take a closer look at the types of evil Steves attacking us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever it happens to be where you're listening to this on this little planet that we call Earth. You are listening to another episode of Admin Admin. I'm your host, Lurking Pryon. Today's episode is going to be Who is Evil Steve? Part 2. Last week, I spoke generally about who Evil Steve was and the kind of things that they do. Um, He, they, I'm going to use all those pronouns and mix them up. Um, Look, just understand that there's a human that's attacking you. That's the important thing to understand. Now, there's really two classes of attackers. Now, I I know that people who are in cybersecurity are going to get a little bit defensive about this, but just bear with me for a second. First of all, we have the low-level hackers who are really just interested in your data. Um, They're using tools that they don't develop. They just find them online. They can follow a quick tutorial and use them. Or they could even just hire as a service on the dark web. Uh, The barrier to entry as far as hacking goes is almost zero today for a vast majority of the attacks that you would want to launch on people. So at this point for these attackers, it's simply a matter of finding information that they can turn around and monetize. So let's sit around for a minute and think about the information you have that could be valuable to someone else. Uh, First of all, valid email addresses. These are something that is very valuable. There are resellers that will buy these. Um, Granted, the payout on them isn't very much. Uh, Not when you compare it to things like uh, credit card numbers, banking information, social security numbers, or other identification numbers that you have that would allow for different kinds of identity theft. Um, When it comes to identity theft, we're gonna get more into this in another episode. But I do want to point out that there are a couple of different kinds of identity theft. Um, Medical identity theft is a big one. Um, I had a troop when I was in the military. He was deployed to somewhere stand. And when he came back, he started getting um, past due notices for medical bills from a hospital in Seattle. Apparently, while he was deployed to somewhere stand, he'd had breast augmentation. So, even with orders proving that this person was out of the country, was not the person who had the surgery, it took him months to get this cleared up and get it off his credit report. So, keep in mind that once identity theft happens, it is incredibly hard to get it fixed. Um, The other kind I want to mention real quick is child identity theft. Um, It is very easy to get a hold of a kid's social security number and then use their identity to rack up all kinds of debt. The problem is most parents don't find out about this until their kid turns 18, they go to college, they apply for financial aid, only to find out that they have um, a whole bunch of stuff in their credit history that is not theirs. And long story short, you are not getting that loan anytime soon. 
So I would recommend if you haven't done it um, and if you have children, today go and do a credit check on your children. Go and look at their credit score, go look at their credit reports and see what's there. Um, TransUnion, Experian, and uh, I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. Those are the three major ones in the US. You can get a free credit report from each one once a year. Um, hit up Experian, get a credit report, and then set a calendar reminder. Four months later, get one from Experian. Four months later, get another one. And then you can keep rotating through so that you're checking on your kid's credit score on a regular basis. The thing with identity theft is the sooner you notice it, the easier it is to fix. This is really the basis behind LifeLock. Uh, LifeLock doesn't stop identity theft. LifeLock identifies you and alerts you to the fact that identity theft probably is happening at an early enough stage that you can fight it effectively. The longer it goes on, the harder it is to fight. So these are the kinds of information that people are looking for um, when it comes to the low-level hacker. Um, now, keep in mind, if you are somebody that may generate some kind of animosity toward other people on the internet, they may target you specifically looking for information about you that could be detrimental to your image. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that's out there that you probably don't want falling into other people's hands. So, I would recommend uh, doing a, a good check of your social medias, trying to see what's out there, trying to see what other people have about you out there, do a Google search, and then those things that you really don't want other people knowing about. How about going and checking where you have that data, how it's protected, and um, maybe at the very least, change your passwords for all of those things. Um, I'll talk more about passwords in another episode. So the barrier to entry when it comes to being a hacker is extremely low. Now the payout, uh, it could be pretty good depending upon how much effort a person is willing to put into it and what kind of a target audience they happen to be hitting. Now the second level is what we call the advanced persistent threat. These are the attacks that have a person actively sitting behind. Um, what they are doing is they are not just looking for things like your social security number. What they are doing is they are getting into your organization, they are using tools that are already installed. They're not installing malware or anything like that. They're using things like PowerShell that's already there. And what they are doing is they are pivoting through your network to find information that would be valuable to them. Things like intellectual property, trade secrets. And they are not a quick smash and grab. They are in there for the long haul. They're going to create multiple points of entry so that if one is found is closed, they have another way to get in. They really want to get in, stay there covertly, and watch what's going on and slowly steal information from your network. This is where identifying the who becomes very valuable from a security standpoint. When it comes to these kinds of attackers, identifying a profile on who they are, how they go about doing their business, what tools they use, um, different ways that they go around doing precursors to an attack, the things that they do once they're in the network, will help you identify other times or other places that they may happen to target you. 
a lot of these APTs are already known and there's information out there there's information sharing centers if you're in a critical industry um, and there's other information if you're willing to look around for it so the advanced persistent threats these are really not the attackers that are going to show up on your alerts. It's not going to show up in your SIM. And if it does, it's probably going to be an anomaly. Most of these you're going to have to go find. You're going to have to go look for signs that they are there. Uh, they are very good and a lot of them can go years without being detected. These are state actors, these are well-funded criminal groups, these are um, threat actors that have a very strong ideology. Um, we like to think about um, people like ISIS and we say, oh, well they just go and blow themselves up. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that not every extremist in the world wants to blow themselves up. They have some very skilled hackers. And yes, there's a lot of terrorist groups out there that are hacking different sites and different companies for different reasons. So again, the who that is attacking you really plays a difference in how you look for signs of an attack and how you defend against those attacks. So my recommendation is for your business, your organization, the industry that you're in, I would highly recommend doing some research into the current active threat actors. Who are the ones that target your industry? Um, who are the ones that are targeting the information that you are trying to protect and keep secret? Um, those are the people that you're really going to want to study and take a look at and other threat actors that may be in the same space but maybe aren't quite as active um, to give yourself a better threat profile. Now the thing that I want to caution you with is when it comes to gathering intelligence about threat actors, uh, tactics, techniques and procedures and all of the different things that you can look for you can very quickly overwhelm your security team with the amount of information that's coming in. That is not effective at all, which is why I always recommend, let's start with the very most active people in our sector. Who are the ones that are most likely to attack us? And go through, research them, and rack and stack them. And start with number one and work your way down to number 99, whatever it happens to be. And then start with number one. Alright, so here's this threat actor, here's what they do, here's the tools they use, here's the way they get in. Let's take our analyst and let's go out and let's start looking to see if there's any signs of compromise that would indicate that we've already been attacked. Always work under the assumption that you've already been attacked. Um, if you think that you are not already vulnerable, uh, chances are you've been attacked and you just don't know it yet. Um, it's not a matter of if you're going to be hacked. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's when. It's going to happen. The name of the game is getting the attacker out as quickly as possible. There's something that we call dwell time. This is the amount of time that an attacker is in a network undetected um, until they're removed. And the last time I checked, um, I believe it was, I think in 2019, the global average for dwell time uh, was 99 days. Uh, just just shy of four months. That's a lot of time that an attacker has undetected at a network. Now we've gotten better. I believe the last time I checked we had come down to I believe the 50s um, for the number of days, but still 50 days in a network is a long time. So let's talk about like ransomware. 
Um, what we have found is that with most of the ransomware attacks over the last two years, there's about a two-week delay between the time they actually get into the network to the time they actually take action and start going about doing the damage to your network. So if that attack had been found and stopped in those two weeks prior to them actually activating and doing damage to your network, the attack would have effectively been stopped. That's really the name of the game. Let's find them as soon as they get in. It's really trying to limit that dwell time, limit the amount of time that they have to do damage to you. So it's not about keeping them out. And I really want to drive this point home. It is not about keeping hackers out. That is an impossible task. You can't do it. There is no such thing as security. It does not exist among man or in nature. Uh, that's a quote from Helen Keller. I don't believe I got it quite right, but that's the general gist of it. So security doesn't exist. It's a myth. Um, we can't make something secure. If you don't believe me, watch Oceans 11, Oceans 12, Oceans 13, Oceans 8, Oceans 92. I don't know how many they made. But basically, no matter how much security you put, if someone has enough time, enough determination, and enough resources, they're going to get in. And you have limited time, limited determination, and limited resources. That's an asymmetric battle that you will never, ever win. So we need to focus on the flip side. Okay, let's go and we recognize the fact that they're going to get in. What can we do to identify them as soon as they've gotten in so that we can minimize and stop that attack at its earliest stage possible? So um, who are the evil Steves out there? We've talked about that. Um, I'm hoping that this gives you a better idea of who the attackers are out there. And keep in mind, it's not things that are attacking you, it's people. Behind every single one of those attacks, there's a person. Now, they may have targeted you specifically, or you may have just been caught up in the mess of IP addresses that they found. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. So, people attack you, not things. People cause damage to your networks. At the end of the day, it's people that we have to worry about. Security is and always will be a people problem. And I think if we can start changing our focus in security to thinking about security as a people problem, we will go much further in our ability to protect our organization. And I'll talk about this in future episodes where I talk about personnel relationships within your organization. Again, security is a people problem. Uh, so keep that in mind. So talked about different threat actors, hoping that you guys found this useful and helpful. Um, I'll be back again with another episode. Looking forward to hearing your feedback. And um, until next time, this has been Admin Admin, and this is Lurking Prion, signing off. Have a good week. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, you click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.